0: We're going to start this morning with the reading, and we're going to read, first of all, Oops, where's all my bits of paper, Uh, from Luke 22, Luke 22, verses 54 to 62, and then we're going to to turn over to John 21. So, Luke 22, verses 54 to 62, Peter denies Jesus. Then they seized him, and that's they they seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl came, seeing him as he sat in the light and looked closely at him, and she said, this man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. And we'll turn over to John 21, verses 15 to 19. John 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, This he said to show by what kind of death he was. He was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Well, I chose that hymn this morning, something beautiful, something good, because it says, all my confusion he understood. (coughs) And we're going to be looking this morning about Peter, in a great state of confusion. And then it goes on to say, all I had to offer him was emptiness and strife. And by the time God had finished with Peter this morning, that's all he did have to offer Jesus, his emptiness and his strife. Do we offer these things to Jesus? Do we come to Jesus and offer our emptiness? Or do we come and ask him to help us in it instead of just offering it to him? We we come and we ask him to help us to be better. Jesus says, bring your emptiness, bring your strife to me, and I will fill you. And it won't be any effort. The strife will have gone. And that's what Peter had to find out this morning. So I want to ask you, have you ever seen uh, the programme Who Dares Wins? Right. We've never really watched it. We have watched programmes about the SAS, but we've not watched it. And this is a programme, it's a reality show, which puts contestants through the SAS recruitment tests. And it's not easy. These tests are not easy. They are physical and psychological tests. And they aim to bring the contestants to breaking point. And they're wanting to find out if they have the qualities needed to join the SAS. I was quite intrigued by that, so I went on Google and I thought, how on earth do they do that? And I put in how, as you do. And it says, they strip away the facade and they get to see what each person is really like. What lies hidden deep in their character? And along the way, it highlights the importance of being open and honest about their mental health and what's really going on inside them. And, you know, it's not easy. It's not easy to bring these things out. But that's what they have to do. Not everybody has the mental strength to cope with this. In fact, the contestants are allowed to pull out if they're finding it too much. Well, we've reached the stage in Peter's life this morning where he's going to face a similar test. He's going to face the test of who is qualified to lead my church because this is what Jesus was expecting of Peter, that he would lead the church. He's going to strip away the facade so that what is left is what lies hidden, and that's what we've got to bring to Jesus. Now, we've been talking this week about meeting with Jesus, walking with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and yesterday we saw that Jesus had taught Peter and the disciples the way he wants them him to walk, what to do when they get dirty along the way. And he also promises that he will send a helper to live in Peter and the disciples and in us. But now Peter is going to learn an even greater lesson. Because Satan has asked to be allowed to attack him. You know, Job was asked asked if he um Job Satan asked if he could attack Job. He couldn't do it without God's permission. Interesting that, isn't it? He can't do it without God's permission. And he asked permission, Satan was asking permission to test and attack Peter. And when Job, when it was asked for Job, God said, You may do that, touch everything around him, but do not touch him. The Lord was allowed, allowed Satan to test Job and his loyalty to God. If everything else was taken from him, would he still remain loyal? And now this is about to happen with Peter. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan has asked for you. Well, you know round here you'll know all about this where we live in Cornwall they, they do a lot of farming but and Israel was an agricultural society and everyone there was familiar with the grain sifting process it was where the farm workers would shovel piles of grain onto a large sifter a large sieve and then they shook it vigorously really vigorously. And all the dirt and the chaff and the things that they did not want fell through to the ground. And only the pure kernels of wheat were going to remain and be left in that sieve. So sifting separates the bad and the useless from the good and the fruitful. And through this sifting, Satan was going to try and shake Peter's faith so violently that he would turn away from Jesus. He was testing Peter's loyalty to Jesus to the utmost. And God was allowing this. And you know, Peter needed sifting because it would help him to discern when his behavior stemmed from purely human sources and when it stemmed from the Holy Spirit. And he had to learn that. So he was going through a very difficult time, but there was a purpose to it. Peter didn't know it at first, but when we read it, we can see that there was a purpose to it, and sometimes God allows us to go through extremely difficult times, but there's a purpose to it when he does that. There were still things in Peter that needed to be dealt with, and only Jesus could deal with them. These changes needed to be made deep inside. God was still working on him and the sifting was part of this pro- process. And you know, it was going to be a very turbulent ride for Peter, but it didn't go without a promise on Jesus' part. Because Jesus said, I will pray for you. You are going to go through this but I will pray for you and I will pray that your faith will not fail it's interesting isn't it what he didn't pray for jesus didn't he knew the great task that peter was going to be going to be faced with the great test but he didn't pray that peter would not be sifted he didn't ask for that at all that would be the first thing in our prayers But Jesus didn't ask for that. He didn't say, let him have an easy road. No hard testings, no trials. Humanly speaking, that's what we all want. And he didn't say, will you keep him from this suffering and pain? No, he said, I will pray for him. I will pray for him. I will pray for you that your faith will stand through these difficult times. So this was a trial that Peter had to go through. Why did he have to go through it? Well, you know, if we look at Peter's character uh, that we've been looking at in the last three days, we've seen that he's a man who showed very little fear. He was a courageous man, a brave man. He was an outspoken man. He was confrontational. He was always the one who spoke up for Jesus and and spoke up for the disciples. And above all, he was very self-confident. He had this strong belief in himself and his own abilities. And Satan was going to be allowed to attack him at his place of greatest strength because Peter was convinced he would never leave the Lord He would never let the Lord down. And he had to learn that he wasn't that strong, that he would do these things, but that Jesus would be there watching over him and picking him up again at the end. So how was Satan going to do this? Well, it activated a train of events that happened in that last night. We read in Matthew 26... And the next few th- things that we'll be looking at will be in Matthew 26. I don't know whether you want to turn to it. Matthew 26, verse 31. Well, start at verse 30. And it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is after the Last Supper. They went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night for it is written i will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered now that's a straight prophecy from zechariah zechariah 13 verse 7 where zechariah is talking about the coming king and he he refers to him as the shepherd and this shepherd that he's talking about here is jesus And Zechariah, and he didn't know why he was saying it, but he said, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So Jesus was going to be struck and the sheep of the flock, the disciples, were going to be scattered. And what was Peter's immediate reaction? He said, everyone else might fall away, but I will never do so. Me, Peter? I'm faithful to the end. How could Jesus think that he, Peter would let him down? And do you know what? He thought himself stronger than the others. Every everybody else might go, but I will not. And that confidence in himself and his own abilities was rising to the top again, it was rearing its ugly head. And then Jesus the predicted a denial. And notice Peter's reply, and all the disciples replied this Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. He said it categorically. Peter believed, sincerely believed, he was ready for a severe testing, supremely confident that he wouldn't let the Lord down. And it was this confidence in himself that the Lord had to deal with. Because if he was going to lead his church, he had to have confidence in in Jesus and only Jesus. So then we get to Matthew 26, 37 to 40. 37. And it says, And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Here is Jesus laying out his, his troubles and his needs to the disciples. He laid before them his need that evening and he asked them to watch with him. And you know what? The disciples tried so hard, but they couldn't stay awake. No matter how they tried, they couldn't stay awake. The Spirit was willing but the flesh was weak. All Jesus asked of them at this moment of his trial was to watch with him. And they let him down. You know, I let Jesus down in this matter of prayer. I have to admit that if prayer meetings go on for a while, I tend to fall asleep it's a terrible thing to admit but i can so identify with these disciples and they fell asleep and they just couldn't stay awake some people have no problem but for me i'm like peter i can't do that so i can identify with them at this time so he asked that they would stay with him and they couldn't watch with him for that moment in time i don't know how peter felt He'd let his Lord down again. But then, a bit later on, we find that Judas, in 50 and 51, Judas and the soldiers arrived to arrest Jesus. The unthinkable was about to happen. Jesus knew his time had come. Jesus knew that he told the disciples several times that he must die. But they didn't really understand it. And these disciples, when the the soldiers came to arrest, rushed in to help because they did not want them to arrest their Lord and their saviour. And for one of them, his natural instincts led to the use of a sword, and he chopped one of the soldiers' ears off. And guess which one that was? We're told in John, it's Peter. Peter. Those natural instincts reared up and he could not stop himself. It, and we're all like that, aren't we? You know, when we don't have a time to think about anything and we have to react, it's the natural instincts inside us that rear up. And if your natural instinct is confrontational and you're, you, know, you, you like to fight and you, you do that, then like Peter, that is what he will do. And that is exactly what he did. He was impetuous. He had no time to think, and it was instinctive. And you know, it is a true selfish reaction from him of wanting Jesus to stay with him. And that's what came out of him at that time. Jesus needed help, Peter was going to help him. And those natural instincts to defend his master just took over. Peter had seen the Lord do all sorts of things. He'd seen him have power over the wind and the rain. He'd seen him have power all over all sorts of things. He knew that Jesus could sort it out, that he didn't need Peter's help. So, you know, but he couldn't leave it. He couldn't leave him to sort it out. Self took over again. And we can be like that. I can remember a friend of mine once who got very, very angry about something. And she was desperate to write to somebody and complain. You know, she had to do something about it. So we sat down and we wrote this letter of complaint that she'd wanted to do, that had sprung up for her natural instincts. And then we didn't post it. We decided to leave it. And when we left it until the next day, and we said, well, are you going to send that letter? No, she said, it doesn't seem as important today as it did. See, our natural instincts make things seem more important than they actually are, and we act on them because we we can't help ourselves. But do you know what? Jesus could have saved himself. It says in the Word that he could have called down 12 legions of angels to save him but he chose not to why did jesus choose that well he chose it because it was vital for us and for the rest of the world that he went to the cross and he'd been telling people that he was going to lay down his life voluntarily nobody was going to take his life from him so when people started trying to fight for him and, and stop the, the soldiers from arresting him and dragging him to the court, he said, no, I'm going voluntarily. You do not try and stop this. I am going to do it. I lay down my life for my sheep. It would have looked as if he was allowing his friends to save him and defend him and prevent it. It wouldn't have looked voluntarily, voluntary. Yet again, with the best of intentions, Peter had done the wrong thing. When would he ever learn? And, you know, slowly, Peter is being brought down from, this, from his self-confidence and it's being knocked and knocked and knocked in, many, in several ways. And, you know, once he'd been arrested... All of them fled. But Peter, he didn't flee completely. Peter followed on behind. He'd got enough confidence left in him to follow at a distance. He didn't desert his Lord. He waited to see what would happen. And he decided to sit in obscurity with the servants and the guards and no doubt watched with horror as the events unfolded what Peter didn't realise was that things were about to get worse he'd thought he'd been brought down to the lowest point but things were about to get much worse all his life Peter had relied on his own considerable strength to get the job done he'd got such self-confidence didn't think anything could move or shake him He was sure of his love and his willingness to die for Jesus. Peter was going to stick with his Lord through thick and thin, no matter what happened. Now he was going to watch what was happening to Jesus. He was totally, totally unaware that this confidence in, in himself was about to be severely tested, tested to the limit by Satan. So we back to what we were talking about. Satan sifts Peter, and it says it said when we've quoted it already. And the Lord said, "Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat." Well, when we read it in our Bibles, it sounds quite polite, really. You know, it's sort of and very civilized. But actually, this word "sift." this is the only time it uses this word sift in the Bible and it's a really strong word it's literally, it means that Satan has demanded permission to inwardly agitate Peter's faith to the verge that it would be overthrown so Satan is putting him in this sifter and he's going to shake it shake it And try to overthrow Peter's loyalty to the Lord. Strong stuff, this. This is the battle for Peter, the battle for Peter's heart and mind. Important things are at stake at this time. And you know what? The result is going to change Peter forever been in the process of being changed this is just going to be the end for Peter well it's going to to be the beginning in another way but this is going to bring Peter to the end of himself and so while he was watching he was sitting around the campfire watching with the servants and the guards and a servant girl looks closely at him and recognises him This man, she said, was with Jesus. Oh, no, I wasn't, he said. I didn't know that man. I didn't know Jesus. The second person said, You were with Jesus of Nazareth. You also are one of them. And Peter denied him again. Two denials. The third time, some bystanders were there. You were with Jesus, they said. Your accent gives you away. You are from Galilee. You are also one of them. And immediately, the cock crowed. Immediately, the cock crowed. Three times, he had denied Jesus. What had he done? This impulsive, confident man had said a few hours ago, publicly he'd said it, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. I will never deny you. But now all that bluster and bravado had gone. And Peter had done something he claimed he would never, ever do. He denied Jesus. And he hadn't done it once. He'd done it three times. He was distraught, distraught. He remembered, how could he have done that? What on earth had come over him? And then he remembered what Jesus said. And when he, we read in Luke, we read, it says, as he was led out, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Jesus looked at Peter. And that must have just broken him he went out and he wept bitterly have you ever wondered what jesus was thinking as he looked at peter do you think he looked at peter with accusation and disappointment or do you think in his in his look there was reassurance and compassion do you think in his look there was remember what I told you. I told you, you would be sifted. And it has happened. He said, I will pray. I told you, I will pray. And I sa- he said, I told you I will pray because you, that your faith would not fail. And he'd look and he'd think, this battle is not going to last long, Peter. Hang on in there. Your faith will not fail. Because I am watching over you. I am praying for you. And there would be the hope in there. I will restore you. And when you are restored, you will be a strength for others. And he left that with Peter. And Peter was left on his own. At his lowest ebb. And he faced three long, lonely days when he thought Jesus had died. He was devastated at how he'd let Jesus down. Had it been a mistake in the first place, Jesus picking him to lead his church? It must have been because he wasn't worthy of it. He was a weak sinner. He could never, ever be the rock for the church. And then, this be the last time he ever saw Jesus? Would he ever again be able to share his inner thoughts and his motives with him? Would he receive assurance and forgiveness? Would he be happy again? Would he forgive himself? Would there be any way of return? And you know, we can feel like that. If we've let our Lord down, and it doesn't have to be as devastating as this, If the Lord convicts you of even a little thing, you think, will it ever be the same again? You know, if if Rich and I have words or whatever, and the atmosphere changes, and you think, will it ever be the same again? No. But the Lord deals with it, and it is the same again. In fact, it is better afterwards. But we all have those feelings is it going to be the same again will I ever be as happy oh why did I say what I did Peter something had happened now deep inside Peter Peter was never going to be the same again he was a broken man he knew deep in his heart the depth of his sin never before had he known this Jesus had died Peter had not been able to protect or save him. Satan had demanded to test him and break him, and God had allowed it. And it must have felt to Peter at that time that Satan had succeeded. He'd finally come to the end of his own resources, his own abilities. But do you know what? Satan had overplayed his hand because Satan does not understand how the Lord works. He doesn't understand that sometimes the Lord allows people to go through difficult and trying circumstances, that sometimes the Lord allows people to try and fail to cope, and he does it to bring them to the end of their own resources to be brought to the depths of despair when all they have left is their faith in God. And he has to use those things because all the time we think we can deal with it, we won't let God. He has to bring us to the point where we have no other choice. Satan had tried to destroy Peter's relationship with Jesus. He'd shaken him. He tested his faith to breaking point. Satan had tried to totally break Peter's spirit, destroy his faith. But do you know what? In the end, it strengthened that unshakable bond that there was between Jesus and Peter. Because Peter discovered that no matter what he did, Jesus still loved him and wouldn't let him go. And you know what? There are times like that when it happens to us. I was brought to the end of my my strength by something that happened to me, and it was really painful. Really painful. And I flung myself on the bed one day, and this was about a year after it had happened. I flung myself on the bed and I said, Why me, Lord? Why me? Why am I having to go through this? And you know a thought popped into my mind and it said this is my way for you walk you in it this is my way for you walk you in it and you know there's a verse like that in Isaiah in Isaiah 30 so I turned to Isaiah 30 and I read that verse and then I read on and I came to just to these words which might surprise you It's in Isaiah 30, verse 26, and it says about the day will come when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Isn't that an interesting verse? In heals the wounds he has inflicted by his blow. But do you know what? That was such a comfort to me. You know, people are so surprised when they hear about that, that the Lord inflicts blows. But to me, it was a comfort because I was in this cauldron uh, and I was floundering. But I realised that if the Lord had done it, there was hope. It wasn't out of control. It was all still in the Lord's control. There was going to be, I was going to come out of it. And the Lord would bring me there. It was such a comfort. And the other thing is, of course, that Jesus, while, he, um, while Peter was going through this, prayed for Peter. When we're going through troubles, the Lord is there praying for us. Jesus watched over Peter. He's up in heaven watching over us, He knows what we're going through. Jesus didn't give up on Peter and he won't give up on us, no matter what the trouble is. And do you know what else He did? Jesus healed Peter's wounds. He healed his mental wounds, He healed his spiritual wounds and he will heal ours. Sometimes we have to walk through difficult times of difficulty, but he's there for us and he will heal our wounds. Remember that Jesus told Peter he would pray for him, that his faith should not fail and he wasn't going to give up on him. But Peter still had to face Jesus. He still knew what he'd done and he had to face Jesus. And when he met with Jesus, what did he find? Did he find trouble and punishment? No. Did he find Jesus reproaching him for what he'd done? No. Did he find Jesus urging him to do better next time? No. No, he didn't. What he found was love and grace. To find that Jesus still loved him was wonderful. But to find grace was to find the pearl of greatest prize for Peter. It's to find God's love and Jesus' love for those people who don't deserve it. It is to find a love we can't earn by our own deeds. And that's what he found. That's what he found. He'd gone far away from Jesus, or so it seemed to him, but Jesus had not let him go. And he was not demanding anything in return. He just wanted him back. Peter had to be brought to the end of his human resources to find the truth about himself. When he came back, he wasn't the same Peter as before. Jesus had still loved him no matter what he was like. He hadn't deserted him, just the opposite. You know, Jesus doesn't despise a broken and a contrite heart. He knows our weaknesses, and he mends our hearts, and he draws us back into the circle of his love, and he assures us of his forgiveness. And, you know, Peter's basic personality was the same. Peter hadn't changed What had changed was that the self-principle in him no longer had the same hold on him. He no longer instinctively put his trust in his own judgment. The Holy Spirit had the upper hand in all aspects of his life. It was the Spirit who was in charge of his life now and not Peter. And Peter was now willing to say no to self And yes to Jesus, no matter how much it cost. Peter was outspoken, but when when Jesus was in control of that trait of Peter, he became the mouthpiece for Jesus. Peter acted impulsively. When he was in control of it, it got him into trouble. But when Jesus was in control of his his intent, his impulsiveness, it meant that he could act quickly for Jesus. He was an action man with self-centred mo- uh, motives, but now he was still an action man, but he was an action man for Jesus. He'd had confidence in himself. Now his confidence was in Jesus. And right from the start... Peter had looked beyond the impulsive, outspoken fisherman, and he'd seen the masterpiece of God's handiwork that Peter was to become. It wasn't always an easy process. Peter was, would, had suffered incredibly. But you know, unless Peter um, unless he loved Jesus enough to put his interests above his own, he could not be trusted with the leadership of the church. Previously, Peter had been self-reliant, confident in his own decisions. That's no good for the church and its people. The leaders need to have their faith centred in Jesus and not himself. And that's the good news they need to tell to their people. Didn't realise it at the time, but Peter was being equipped with a vital message that the church needed to hear and still needs to hear. That even though you've known despair and hopelessness, you can, if you come to the cross and come back to Jesus, find grace and redemption. And Jesus restored Peter so he could help others in similar situations. Now Peter was prepared and ready to take on the responsibility of Christ's church. There was just one more thing to be done. Both Peter and the disciples needed to know that Peter was the one called by God to do this job. Peter had let Jesus down badly. Could he be forgiven? Could Jesus trust him again? And you know, it was the same for the disciples. They knew about uh, Peter's failure they knew that when the chips were down, what had happened, and seeds of doubt would have been sown. They needed Jesus to confirm the calling of Peter. And we're told, we've read it, haven't we, that he met them on the beach while the disciples were fishing. And you know, this was another of those picture lessons that Jesus had. Because Does that remind you of anything? The disciples were out fishing. They'd caught nothing. Jesus said, Let down your nets again. And they caught loads. It would bring that back to Peter. Then Peter went onto the beach and Jesus had lit a campfire. A campfire. What would that bring back to Peter? Sitting round the campfire, denying Jesus. This was the time when Jesus was going to reinstate Peter, restore him, renew him. And he particularly sought him out. And three times Jesus asked him, Do you love me? And for each denial, there was restoration and a commissioning for Peter. Peter needed to know he was truly forgiven that a spectacular fall from grace was not the end. It wasn't going to be cast aside. And the disciples needed to know that that had happened. Now, we need to know as well that when we've been through periods of brokenness, that we too will be forgiven. It doesn't feel like it when we're going through it, but we need to hang on to Jesus. Someone once said... I hung on to Jesus by the skin of my teeth. And it really doesn't matter how you hang in there. We have to hang in there with Jesus. We need to know we'll be forgiven. We will be restored. We will be renewed. And our salvation hasn't been forfeited, even though our fellowship with Jesus might have been interrupted. As with Peter, it strengthens The unshakable bond between Jesus and us. When I went through that difficult time, I came out the other end years later knowing that Jesus had brought me through it and that I could come through it. And it stayed with me ever since. Jesus knew that by sifting Satan had done his job, Peter had survived the battle. Be completely broken down. Now it had been an extremely uncomfortable experience, because you know, control of our own lives is not an easy thing for us to give up. And do you know what? We're under a misconception in some ways because we think the opposite of self-control is being out of control. But it's not if you're a Christian. For the Christian, the opposite of self-control is being in God's control. And what could be better than that for us? God knows what's good for all of us. We could have nothing more better than that. Jesus knew that Peter had changed deep within. Never again would he be the Peter that Jesus first knew. And he writes in his first term epistle, Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Peter was now shepherding the church of God. He knew the sheep were still prone to going astray. He knew from his own experience how the sheep were prone for going astray. And now Peter is pleading with others to continue this work, shepherding the people of God, Leading them back when they've gone astray. He wants us to pass on this message, share the gospel of God, care for his flock, and do it eagerly, willingly, and in humility. This man had changed. He'd changed from being outspoken, impetuous, and self confident to being the gentle shepherd of the flock of God. This man was broken for Jesus. And he had become the man restored and renewed. The man that Jesus always knew he would be. It's not an easy journey. Here was a man Jesus knew he could work through. Are you that man? Are you prepared to let Jesus do that work in you? No matter what the cost? Amen. Do you know? I think I finish at the same time every day. I don't know how the Lord does that. <laughs> I finish and then look at my watch, and it's exactly the same time every day. Anyway, that's beside the point. Jump, okay. Questions? Right. It's working. It's <laughs> <laughs> <He's> working. <laughs> <He's> working. <laughs> Right, question one. Satan asked to sift Peter and Peter was tested to the limit. How did that change Peter? Does testing change Christians today? Question two. The Lord allowed Peter to go through suffering. How did that help him in his role as leader of the church? How does going through suffering help us to help people who are going through similar experiences today. Question three, Peter denied Jesus three times. Do Christians today find it easy to stand up for Jesus? Question four, Peter's faith was strengthened by this experience. What other things can strengthen our faith? Question five. What are the benefits of handing control of our lives over to Jesus? Question six. Peter did not Jesus did not leave Peter in despair. He showed him mercy, love and grace. How can we do that for others? Well, I know you'll have forgotten every one of those questions, but I, I have got a copy. You can't get out of it. I'm going to come round and give a copy to each table, each group.